You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to us here on the RPR Network. We're Brad Gray. And I'm Janine Benson. And I'm sorry if I chuckled there, but uh, we had a little... Uh, we were headbanging to the music. That's, going that's, that's on what's here. going on. We're headbanging to the music. <laughs> oh, it's been what a great morning. It's been a, it has been. a really, yep. a really fantastic morning. And um, oh, God is just so wonderful. It's it's just been great to see, um, to, to be reminded once again of the ways that God is so present. The way that God is, you know, continuously creative, continuously mm-hmm. at work, um, trying to draw us back to Him. Um, you know, at every stage of life. You know, that's, um, there's, there's so many different situations and conditions that we find ourselves in. And, and oftentimes we can feel alone and we can feel separated from him. We can feel overwhelmed by the state of the world and whatever it might be. Right. Um, but the reality is the Lord God is, is governing every second of our lives. Yeah. And, and that just gives you so much comfort and so yep. much hope. And yep. he's not saying to be disengaged from the world and, you know, hide under right. a rock. That's not uh, the answer. Um, but he is calling us to to be participants in his divine yeah. providence. Well, honestly, if if he's not engaged, then I might be more inclined to hide under a rock and try <laughs> to you know, shelter away. But when you know that he's in your corner, then then you have the 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 grace to be courageous. Right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that just beautiful? It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but yeah. wow, yeah. we have uh, an amazing faith that can be our our guiding light. You know, yes, and our. Our trail, that our path, I should say. And uh, on such topics, we are now joined by Dr. Michael Foley, a Catholic theologian and professor of patristics in the Great Books Program at Baylor University. Good morning to you, Dr. Foley. Well, good morning. Thanks for being on with us this morning. Oh, I'm happy to be on. Oh, well, we're just so grateful that you're joining us. And, you know, Dr. Foley, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, our audience? We have 10 wonderful dioceses that are tuning in, and it's just going to be great to hear all about you. Yep. Well, I am, like you said, a Catholic theologian. I teach at Baylor University, which is in Waco, Texas, and uh, I'm the author of several books, um, a lot of them having to do with drinking and Catholic culture, <laughs> uh, drinking with the saints, uh, yeah. drinking with St. Nick, and drinking with your patron saints. Um, but I also do work on St. Augustine and uh, other topics involving Catholic culture. I, I have to tell you, Dr. Foley, that uh, we've been buying the drinking with the saints and drinking with St. Nick uh, for several years now and giving them as gifts for uh, Christmas gifts and, and family and friends, so it's fun to talk to you in person. But you know what? Uh, he hasn't given well, me one you. yet. I, I haven't received uh-oh, one yet. Oh, now I'm busted. <laughs> you know, I, I do. When we were on pilgrimage over to Rome and then to Meritsu in Belgium, uh, boy, they have some good beer at Meritsu Abbey in Belgium. So I don't know if you've got that saint, but uh, I check out Blessed Columba Marmion and their beer. Oh, absolutely. I, I think he's. <laughs> I think he's October. Third, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we so, just no, celebrated his feast day last Sunday, or a Sunday ago, I should say. Yes, uh, Janine right. has a special connection with him. Uh, her family was involved in his canonization. In, or beatification, in beatification. 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 But let's get back to you, Dr. Yes. Foley, because your interview is uh, just going to be so exciting, um, what you're going to be visiting with us about. Um, what are virtues? Can you explain that to us? 
So, that's right. So, I'm going to be speaking um, on what are called the eulogy virtues and the resume virtues. This is a distinction that uh, David Brooks made a number of years ago, and I'm entering into a friendly debate about how he defined it. But he's got a good point. He said that uh, resume virtues are the, are the kinds of skills you build up for your resume. You want to look good professionally, career-wise. But the eulogy virtues are the kinds of things you want said about you at your eulogy. Hmm. Um, you know, he was a kind man, he was a generous man, those kinds of things. And he seems to think the two are in conflict, but he was a Catholic. They're, they're not in conflict, and we can and should develop both. That, that is curious. So on what basis does he see them as conflict, in conflict? You know, that's a good question. He really, if I remember correctly, he really doesn't explain why. Um, maybe he thinks that you know, the resume virtues are about business, and, and business is kind of a dog-eat-dog world. Hmm. And, and maybe that's why it's hard to cultivate both. And, and I agree, it's hard to cultivate both, but it's not impossible. Hmm. So how do, how do these uh, resonate with that you know, traditional Catholic uh, you know, categorization of virtues? That's a good question. And he kind of uses the term virtue loosely for skills. Mm. Mm. And the Catholic Church has a fascinating reflection on virtue. A moral virtue is actually something that you cannot abuse. Mm. It's, it's, when you think about it, it's fascinating. It's one of the, the rare goods in the world that is incapable of, of being abused. Mm. So most things in life, you know, we, ha- we live in a universe filled with good things, but 99% of them can be abused. Sure. Uh, you know, money can be abused, love can be abused, food and drink can be abused, but you cannot abuse a moral virtue. Just just try to abuse the virtue of moderation. It doesn't make any sense, right? And you cannot abuse the, the virtue of justice. Mm. If you abuse the virtue of justice, then you're unjust, and you never had the virtue of justice. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't make sense. So that's the true definition of a moral virtue. Um, skills are things and can be abused, like efficiency. Efficiency is a good thing, but if you're a very efficient commandant of a death camp, well, that's not a good thing, right? right? Mm-hmm. So um, there is a difference between skill and virtue, and that's another area where I think his uh, needs a little work. So, uh, what, Dr. Foley, what, what is the correlation? Um, I mean, obviously, we understand uh, virtues are, are perhaps good for society, right? I mean, that, that we, we would like to have virtuous people. But part of the challenge is that a lot of times we question whether being virtuous is actually going to lead to our happiness, because sometimes they're in conflict with our desires. Um, so, what is yes. the correlation between virtue and happiness? Virtue is the only path to happiness, and that is hard for us to understand in our society. We think that it's, it's the gratification of our desires that will make us happy, but that's only half right. The satisfaction of our desires does lead to happiness, but only if our desires are good. Mm. If we have desires for bad things and we get them, it's not going to make us happy. Mm. It is only the satisfaction of our rightly ordered desires that's going to make us happy. 
Hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's uh, in this world of uh, constant confusion and hypocrisy and so forth, um, even the different paradigms of sociology. I mean, there is one of those paradigms that is virtue-ish, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, we get caught up in, in the other paradigms rather than the one that really we should be seeking, you know, God's virtuous life. So, Dr. Foley, um, I, I presume that this is this this aspect of virtue is something that you are presenting to college students at a regular um, basis with your work at Baylor. Um, what is is there a fittingness to addressing uh, virtue with college students, or did we just lose you? Okay. Well, this is, that's, a, that's quite the cliffhanger there. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it is, uh, you know, that whole word virtue, you know, how, how it's defined, mm-hmm. you know, is so important, you know, and so many words in our society, they get redefined. Yeah. And this is one word that we have to be very firm you know, on how it's defined. It's interesting, I was at a conference here two weeks ago uh, for Family Life Directors in Washington, D.C., and uh, we had a speaker, Ryan T. Anderson, who's the author of uh, When Harry Became Sally, speaking about the transgender movement, and he said, you know, that there's a notion out there that um, that there's been a large-scale rejection of metaphysics, and he says, well, that's not really the case. What's happening is there's a proposal of an alternate metaphysics out mm-hmm. there. Like, there is an objective morality in the mind of the culture, and you're not allowed to, dis- to contravene it. Uh, Dr. Foley, we've got you back. Yes, you do. I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, no. We had that nice cliffhanger, so Brad yeah, will yeah, just reintroduce yeah. that question. Yeah, so I was just, uh, I was just saying, I presume that this, is, that this aspect of virtue is, is one that you're addressing with your, your students there at Baylor. Um, how, would you see this as a fitting time uh, in the lives of, of, a, of a person to be, I mean, obviously, every, every time is fitting to be looking at virtue, but something especially appropriate uh, at, at the time of college. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, as Aristotle says, you have to start cultivating virtue as soon as possible. So you need to get a head start on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine, well, even with, with little children, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're born oh, inherently yeah. selfish, right? And there's, there's the need to begin to cultivate uh, virtues of, of generosity, of patience, of, you know, of every, every good aspect of our humanity, right? That's exactly right. And, you're right about starting as, as early as possible. We, we Catholics believe in original sin, as, as Chesterton puts it. Original sin is the only Catholic doctrine for which there is empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, original sin is with us at birth, so we need to combat those, that, that bad sort of proclivity that original sin gives us with it, as cultivating as many good habits as we can. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I want to go into this more um, on the other side of the break. We're going to have to take a break here in just a, a little bit. But um, I, I do want to hit this point because as parents, uh, like we were just saying, it's, need, it's necessary to be able to cultivate this with our kids, but it also kind of calls it out out of us too, uh, right? So let's, let's go into this aspect of uh, tips for growing in virtue and, and for parents and, and just how do we cultivate this personally and as a society when we come back uh, with uh, this short break right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. Have you ever known someone who has taken their own life? 50% of Americans have. I'm Father Chris Alar. For years, professionals have called the tragedy of suicide an epidemic, but we believe it has become a pandemic because more people in the world take their own life than die by all the wars or homicides combined. Do you know that there are more veterans who have killed themselves than were killed in the Vietnam War? And these numbers keep increasing, especially among the youth. And society doesn't help. Through misguided ways, such as shows like 13 Reasons Why, suicide has become glorified in our society. But there is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. We're having a a really gripping conversation with Dr. Michael Foley, the professor of patristics, a Catholic theologian, professor of patristics at Baylor University. Uh, Dr. Foley, you know, during the break here, we were having a brief conversation that it's helpful to distinguish as we're talking about virtue, what virtue is, and that what it's kind of, it's replacement in uh, secular society is right now of values. What's the distinction between virtue and values? Yeah, for the last hundred years, the language of values has slowly been replacing the language of virtue. Hmm. And that's not to say... Uh, it's necessarily a bad thing, but one of the problems is values are ultimately subjective. Mm-hmm. That's why we speak of values with respect to groups or individuals, American values, family values, corporate values. Everybody has their own set of values, whereas virtues are not subjective but objective they are a perfection of the soul, and you either have them or you don't have them. So it's, it's kind of tricky and problematic if, when, when our language about morality is ultimately subjective. Mm. It makes it seem like there is no good and evil. It's just different values competing in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So virtues would be kind of like our actions corresponding to the objective good. Is that, would, would, would that be a way of looking at it, or...? Yes, no, I think that is a good way of looking at it. They're, they're not actions, they're habits, yeah. but mm-hmm. they are habits that can be objectively 
evaluated. Okay, great. And then the opposite of, of virtues then would be vice, right? That the uh, habit of, of doing, doing bad things routinely, right? Right. That's exactly right. Okay. So now, as we're as we're having this conversation, it's really easy to talk about these things. Um, I mean, it's fascinating to discuss, you know, virtuous living and and how that's good. Uh, it's a whole lot harder to actually become that and to to cultivate that in our lives. Do you have any tips for growing in virtue? Well, you know, the social scientists say that if you practice something, uh, I think it was for two or three weeks consistently then you can already start to develop an, an aptitude for it. And to be the absolute master of something requires uh, a total of 10,000 hours wow. um, of, of doing the act. So you could, you could become, if you wanted to, a concert pianist if you just devoted 10,000 hours to it. Um, but the whole point is practice makes perfect. Mm. You just mm-hmm. have to constantly apply yourself to something in order to be good at it. And we Catholics have a, have a lot of resources to help us. We have the sacraments, we have a life of prayer, we have grace, all these things we need in order to be the best that we can be. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it was, it's, it's interesting because um, Aristotle and, and Thomas Aquinas talk about virtues, and the, I, I remember when I was going through a class uh, at the Augusta Institute where we were addressing this, that I was, I was stunned a little bit by the example that was used of a guy that's passing by a desk um, that is, he sees a $20 bill sitting on this desk and no one around. And he's, he's attracted to that, tempted toward it, but chooses not to versus another guy who walks by it and realizes that's not my $20 and just kind of moves on his way. And so they ask the question, which is the more virtuous person here? And my inclination was to think, well, the guy who actually had to grapple with this and make the hard call versus the other guy who had no attraction toward it, right? But that's not actually accurate, right? That's right, yeah. So uh, the, the, the more virtuous you are, in a sense, the, the less tempted you become. Because hmm. we're just more, our hearts just more naturally resonate with the good, right? It's not, we're, we're, we're more drawn toward the good and less attracted by, by evil, right? That's exactly right. Exactly. So now uh, I've got uh, I got seven kids. Um, I have five of them still in the home, and so <laughs> I'd be happy to get uh, any any insight that you've got for how parents can uh, help to cultivate uh, you know virtue in in their children, whether it be college students or or younger younger children or even adult children. I, what what can we do as parents? How do we help to grow in this and ourselves and and within our families? So I should know the answer to that, because I have six myself, and three of them are still in the home. Okay. And my, my wife and I are still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things that I'm sure as you know as a parent, one of the things that surprised me becoming a parent was how very different every child is. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they've just got their own unique personality, and that means they respond differently to... Uh, you know, various incentives. They, each kid responds differently to different kinds of punishment. Mm-hmm. Each kid responds differently to different kinds of reward. So I guess the one advice I would say is be flexible and, and notice that every child is different and figure out what is it that excites them, what is it that incentivizes them, and, and then conversely, what are the most effective forms of punishment? Um, 
you know, sometimes uh, you know, different kinds of punishment don't work. Right. Uh, they work. They work better with one personality than another. So the key is just kind of tailoring uh, the, the package to each child. Yeah, that that's uh, really wise words there. And in you know, you both have children at home still, and we have four grown children. And uh, mm. it was a whole lot easier when they were in the home, oh, <laughs> you sure. know. Yeah. And then yeah. you yeah. know, your job as a parent is never done. And then you become a grandparent, and then there's you know, added um, uh, just a presence that needs to be there and so we as grandparents and people with grown children um, need help in that too and in the best way is is you giving us help as adults in living a virtuous life you know so that we can be that example because once you're once they're out of the home you it's really hard to tell them how you think they should live (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's it it needs to turn into that uh, example. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's well said. And setting an example is the key way to become virtuous, for have your kids become virtuous. And it's okay if they see you fail. Yeah. I think um, I think it's actually important as a part of their formation to see, hey, mom and dad aren't perfect, mm-hmm. but they're trying. And and when they fail, they they. They pull themselves off the ground, they shake the dust off, and they keep trying. They don't despair. They're yeah. constantly trying to become, become better. And I think the, the, the failures of the parents are as important a lesson as the successes of the parents. It shows sort of the authenticity of the struggle. Right. And I think along with that, it's, it's really important as a parent to have the humility to apologize to your children, too, when you don't do yep. things well, right? Uh, it can be, sometimes we can kind of operate under de- the delusion that we're supposed to have this facade of like we're the ones in charge, we're the ones that know things. Uh, you know, we know kind of everything you need to know, and and so you just out of a, I think a fear that of of losing kind of the authority and that sort of thing, uh, we can be reticent at times to actually express the virtue of of humility, right? Yeah, no, that, you're absolutely right. What I think one of my the proudest moments of parenting was I called my uh, children aside and uh, apologized for something that I had done. And uh, um, afterwards, one of my daughters came up to me and she said, I want you to know that you you will never disappoint me as a father. <laughs> oh, and, beautiful. And, and I replied, don't worry, Mary, I'll keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the best. Oh, that's great. Well, again, we are so excited that you're coming to yeah. North Dakota. Yeah. And uh, with the few minutes we have left, we would love to hear about your journey. Where are you going and uh, when are you going to be here? Well, I actually start in Bismarck. I'm going to be visiting the University of Mary, and I'm going to be giving, I think I'm going to talk on how to drink like a saint on uh, Monday, October 18th in the evening. Uh, I'm not sure when or where. We're still working out the details, but I imagine uh, University of Mary will put that on their website. And then Tuesday, also at the University of Mary, I'm giving an evening talk on St. Augustine, Wow, and the, and the quest for self knowledge, and then Wednesday, uh, October twentieth, I will be at the NDSU Newman Center in Fargo and giving a talk on the eulogy virtues. 
Great. Well, that's wonderful. And what a what a blessing that our college students in North Dakota will have this opportunity to to witness these talks, to be part of these talks and engage uh, with you on on these topics as well. Um, hopefully even adults. Can, I mean, yeah, I don't well, mean certainly adults. The, the Newman I mean, Center banquet would be open to everyone. Right, but. right. The uh, the you marry ones may are the as far as you're aware are the you marry ones more specifically for the student body. I'm pretty sure they're open to the public. Are they okay? Yeah. So people can probably check out the you marry website to find out the details of the wheres and whens and all that stuff. Well, that's, that's great, right. uh, Doctor Foley. It's just uh, it, it, I love having this conversation with you, and it's uh, I'm curious to know as you're as you're having this conversation with your your college students, um, how are are there things that you're seeing just like they're a light bulb moment where they, they, they're suddenly getting something? Are there certain things that you're seeing that have been, I don't know, I guess in some ways uh, effective of helping young people see the value of virtue? Well, for me, it's seeing their excitement when they actually read the, the great text. Mm. So Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics mm-hmm. you know, lays out this life of virtue and it's so wonderful to see how enthusiastic students are about Aristotle and, and surprised that some dude who died 2,500 years ago still has something relevant to say. Yeah. Um, but you know, recently a student said, uh, I said of the Nicomachean Ethics, this is the greatest self-help book ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. And, and, Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I'm just going to say, and then the, the, the same reaction with St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm. He has this beautiful definition of virtue, and when you unpack it clause by clause, it, it's, it's exhilarating. Yes. Like, ah, mm-hmm. this, this is a map of the good life. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's the thing that uh, we're, we're losing track of a little bit. We, there seems to be a notion that hum, human nature is in this process of evolution, and that what was the reality, you know, 1,500 years ago or 2,500 years ago is no longer uh, descriptive of modern man. And it's just wrong, right? It's absolutely wrong. But good luck trying to convince anyone that there is such a thing as human nature. Sure, yeah. We we think of of our our entire selves, body and soul, as pure plastic Mm. that we can mold and remold. We We can alter our bodies to fit whatever identity we choose to have. We invent and reinvent ourselves. There's no idea of human nature as having a sort of normative component. Mm. But that's what virtue resides on. Virtue is the perfection of something that's already there. Yes. And, and so there's something objective about it, you know, in, in that process of perfection. Oh, Dr. Foley, this is, this is, we need to have another conversation on this, yes, I think. Yes, we do. Yeah, so, uh, but it's been great having the conversation with you this morning. Thanks so much for making the time to, to be on with us. Thanks for writing the books. Uh, our family and, uh, has just loved them, and we've loved sharing that with others as well. Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. That's good news for us all. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Volley. Uh, we'll hope to be able to have a conversation with you again at some point in the future. I would look forward to it. Thank you so much. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you. All right. We are going to have to take our next quick break. Uh, but up next, no marriage is beyond hope. And we'll discuss a way that you can get back, get your marriage back on track right after this quick break. Stay with us. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.